CES Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I feel it in my I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Pony Stampede podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Billy Embody. It is Monday, and boy, what a weekend it has been if you're SMU. And let's go ahead and, and dive right in uh, to the first thing that I wanted to talk about, and that's SMU losing to Houston. A really, really tough loss for this program. Uh, a loss that could ultimately define the season for SMU and its chances at an AAC title game appearance. Um, and one that was lost in dramatic and kind of mismanaged fashion. Um, you know, if you watch the game, you know that SMU kicked it away to Marcus Jones with about 30 seconds. 30 seconds left in the game, and he returns it 105 yards uh, to give Houston the 44-37 win on Saturday night and uh, gives SMU its first loss of the season, dropping them to 7-1 overall and uh, to 23rd in the AP Top 25. This game was one that, one, SMU started out about as badly as you could have wanted. Uh, go down 17-0, battle back to 17-7 at the end of the first quarter. SMU scores 13, outscores Houston uh, 27-13 over the next two quarters. And then Houston outscores SMU 14-3 in the final frame, including the kick return um, by Marcus Jones. And I think for me, and, and one, I... We'll unpack the kind of last minute of the game where SMU kicked what was a game-tying field goal, which, by the way, would have been a potential game-winning field goal if not for a blocked PAT earlier in the game. But they came out looking like they were going to go for it on fourth and two. Houston calls timeout with 35 seconds left. And then SMU comes out, and they're going to kick the field goal with Blake Mazza. And credit to Blake Mazza, looked like he wasn't going to kick it. You're kind of in that indecision mode, and he nails it for 45 yards out for a season high. That ties the game at 37, and I think for right, right there, I'm okay with that. Obviously, if you're SMU, looking back now, you would have wanted to say, okay, we're going to stay out there on offense maybe and act like we're going to run a play, which they tried to do, and then Houston calls timeout. Or if you're SMU, you run the field goal team out on there and you let the clock run down or you let the clock run down in general and you kick a field goal. But I think, and this is why Houston called timeout in my opinion, one, they had a timeout to burn and they then were able to have extra time in case they could go down the field and kick a game-winning field goal. Because Dalton Witherspoon's a really good kicker um, and, you know, then what happened is SMU kicks the field goal to tie the game, and then Marcus Jones runs it back for the touchdown to win the game. And so I'm not really sure 
if that sequence, whether Sonny Dykes rolls the field goal team out there right away or not, goes any different. The clock was running. It was a fourth down. And when Houston saw SMU roll its offense out there, they call timeout to set a defense. And then SMU decides to kick the field goal. And I don't know how Dana Holgerson would have would have handled it if SMU would have just sent the field goal team out there. Because if, I mean, that's an even better reason to call timeout if you're Dana Holgerson, right? SMU's trying to kick a field goal to tie the game. And if they don't make it, it's fourth down. They get the ball and the game is over. And on the flip side, if they make it, you want to have a little bit of time left since you had the ball, since you were getting the ball, to take a shot at a game-winning field goal. So I'm not so sure how different it all goes with the field goal kicking aspect of it for SMU. But then the disaster happened when SMU was trying to kick it in the corner. They didn't get that great kick uh, into the corner. Brendan Hall, who's been putting him out of the back of the end zone, gave Marcus Jones a chance to return it, and he took it out, and he returned his ninth career uh, kick for a touchdown on special teams overall and his third of the season, or fourth of the season, I believe. Could be wrong. And there's just that for me, the way that game ended, there's I think if you're SMU, you've got to kick that ball out of bounds completely. Um, Looking back, obviously, they probably would have wanted to squib it. But again, they were trying not to give up too much field position. Where I take issue with it all is just kicking it away to Marcus Jones. You know, Sonny Dykes addressed that before the game and said that, you know, they've got to play great on special teams and watch him. He's a guy that can change a game in an instant, and he did. Now, if you're SMU, you fall behind 17-0 in this game, and you battle back to make it a game, to take a lead. Uh, Brian Master returns a kick to start the second half. And all this is happening while your offense is really struggling just overall. You know, only 18 first downs in the entire game, 50 yards rushing overall. Tanner Mordecai throws for 305 yards. Uh, three touchdowns, but also throws an interception. And it was a game that just, for SMU, just didn't go its way. I mean, I felt like there was always just, there was almost a cloud hanging over the team from most of the game where you thought this one is right in, playing right into Houston's hands. They were getting pressure on Tanner Mordecai. Uh, They got, they sacked him three times. They hit him a good amount. Um, And to SMU's, Credit at times they played pretty well defensively for as much time as they were on out on the field, 35 minutes to 24 minutes. And I do think, and you can kind of go back and forth on this a little bit as far as the overall outcome, but Houston, in my opinion, and I hate doing this, but there were some blatant holds missed on some runs and extended plays that SMU was not able to get off of, and Houston was able to capitalize on. That's kind of a part of the game. Sonny Dykes was going nuts, I think rightfully so. There were some calls overall that, you know, kind of hurt them. Uh, SMU kind of got bailed out a couple times. That one face mask on Tanner Mordecai, which was a penalty, uh, was rightly called. But just overall, I think SMU was just, you know, and it makes sense. They started down 17-0 to start the game, but it's almost like they expended so much energy coming back, and then the offense just was in a funk at times, and you couldn't get anything going. And the result, you know, was one game-changing play that allowed Houston to win it. And so I don't know too much in terms of how you even kind of quantify how that went down. I think the end of the game obviously could have been managed better. I'm not sure Dana Holgerson would have allowed it to be managed better. 
in terms of the timeout on that final, or not the final drive for SMU, but the field goal drive. But overall, I mean, a crushing loss for SMU. They came out flat. Um, and this is where we'll kind of transi- transition into this. You know, a week of you know, SMU coaching rumors kind of with Sonny Dykes' name in the Texas Tech job. You know, I don't know if that did have an impact, but it certainly certainly looked like it early on in the game that SMU is not ready to go. And I know injuries really hurt SMU this game. Ulysses Bentley, clearly not himself. Marcus Bryant didn't end up playing. Nolan Matthews looks like he might be out for an extended amount of time. Um, you know, Jordan Curley was limited, but but you know made some plays for SMU uh, in a big way too. Um, with his touchdown on his one reception, Trey Siggers caught a great wheel route for a touchdown. But there was just kind of a funk for SMU just overall uh, against Houston that didn't allow them to find their footing. Nathaniel Dell abused SMU secondary. I think SMU's defense really struggled to be in the right defense, quite honestly. I put that a little bit, uh, you know, I mean, it's Jim Levitt's defense. I think you got to put that on him. Uh, They were running a lot of man the entire time, no safety help, and SMU got burned. Um, And we kind of saw the safety play rear its ugly head uh, with SMU not having an answer for just about anybody they they threw deep at for Houston. Um, You know, Isaiah Mokobia gets hurt on that touchdown catch that he gave up, uh, I believe, to Nathaniel Dell. He's out. Uh, Trevor Denbo struggled. Uh, Chase Camardi struggled. And the corners didn't really do too much as far as helping. I thought one big call was the pass interference on Jahari Rogers, where Houston had the holding penalty as well. So it was offsetting. Um, and instead of backing Houston up, uh, rerun the down, and, and obviously things went from there. I, I just think that overall, this was a game that SMU struggled to find its footing in from start to finish. The offense wasn't itself. You don't have Ulysses Bentley, which they haven't had, but they played a good defense uh, in Houston who took advantage of that. And so um, SMU has to regroup, and they're going to have to regroup with a coaching search, kind of rumors going on uh, with Sonny Dykes now in TCU. Um, Gary Patterson gets let go, you know, mutually parts ways with TCU after 22 seasons, and now Sonny Dykes' name is in another coaching search, uh, you know, opportunity for him. And who knows if he gets an offer. We posted a bunch of VIP notes on this on Pony Stampede. So I want you guys to go check those out because a lot of them, you know, I don't want to just quite frankly say on the podcast. But this is a this is a very interesting time if you're SMU and monitoring Sonny Dykes. Because I don't think Sonny Dykes has done much wrong in terms of these coaching rumors. He's a Texas-based coach. He's from Texas, ties to Texas Tech are there, uh, makes a lot of sense for TCU if they ended up offering him the job. And it just so happened both schools made their coaching changes in the middle of the season. And what his job is and, and what he can do, and I think he'll continue to do, is try his best to coach his team and and you know, figure out a way that they can move past this distraction. Because I do think it is going to become a distraction if it's not a full-blown one already. Um, And I don't know how he does that. And I'm sure he absolutely hates this. But it it just is what it is right now. And, you know, TCU could go after Billy Napier. They could still try for Jeff Trailer. They could go after Jamie Chadwell. 
they could do a lot of different things with this this hire. But you know, SMU's been trying to extend them. They're going back and forth. It's negotiations. Um, we're certainly going to be monitoring it on Pony Stampede. But I, I do think people just overall are going to have to be patient because it's something that's going to take some time, I think, to hammer out. And hopefully SMU and Sunny Dykes come to an agreement for them that works and they can have a great working relationship going forward and they can get back to the, the season as it is. But, you know, it, it's one of those things where it's just unfortunately going to be how it is. And I think as players, they're going to have to do their best to know that they have all their goals ahead of them. They can win out and make an AAC title game appearance and head back down to Houston if Houston doesn't lose another game. And we could look at this game as a turning point for the season. And on the flip side, which they could lose multiple games down the stretch because of the schedule they have, they could end up doing what we've seen in the past, which is struggling in November. I think this team, after this loss, has to kind of, and I think coaches are included in this, really has to look itself in the mirror, figure out what they want to be and what they want to be remembered as. Um, and not to mention, by the way, Alan Ali got hurt against Houston, and that was a big loss. But now you're, you're, you've kind of been exposed. This was your first bowl-eligible team you played all season. And they took shots deep. Cincinnati's going to do that. Memphis certainly going to do that. UCF going to do that. Tulsa's even going to try it. But all these games are winnable. I think Cincinnati has struggled at times. They struggled against Tulane at times uh, this past weekend. And they're all winnable. They're also all losable. Um, and I, I just think with all the talk in the offseason about playing for November, and now we've kind of seen some injuries stack up on the offensive side of the ball, which sucks. Feel bad for them. Um, and and Isaiah and Wilkobia as well kind of injured. Who knows what will happen with him. But the players have to decide whether they want to completely block out what's going on and just play hard. And I do think the coaches need to self-scout a little bit more and try to figure out some new ideas. Because if you look at the defense, the Achilles heel right now is at secondary. Um, and they brought in a bunch of depth at corner, addressed that. It hasn't always been perfect by any means, but that's the name of the game in college football these days is just take shots at corners and eventually you're going to get pass interference calls and all those things. Safety play has given up big plays. They're going to have to do some different things. Brian Massey needs to play a lot more. He's playing, by the way, unbelievable last few games, uh, both special teams and, and in my opinion, on defense as well. And you've got to find ways to get your best players on the field. Richard Moore is looking like his old self. Isaiah Slade Matutia is playing like his old self. Delano Robinson has been playing well. Find the rotation at linebacker that works really well, and they've got to find a way to generate a pass rush. They did a much better job against Houston. They got three sacks. Uh, I believe they had a season high in tackles for loss against Houston as well. Uh, so the defensive line kind of helped out despite, uh, like I said, kind of being held a little bit at some key moments. And then offensively, They've got to find a way to dial up, you know, an attack that can solve this drop eight look or drop seven or whatever defenses are doing between those two schemes, because it is uh, it's been tough sledding. And as SMU gets into the back half of the season more and more with more athletic teams and and teams that play really well defensively, it's going to continue to be a struggle. You wish if you're SMU that you had Ulysses Bentley. And you certainly 
Um, you know, need to get healthy on the offensive line if you can. Bo Morris was back this past week. And Branson Hickman has to improve his snaps. But there's a lot that was left out there for SMU offensively, and they've got to figure out a way to generate offense, possess the ball more, keep the ball on the field, um, and make more plays. You know, I think the offense, this was their game that they kind of let down the you know most of the team. Um, they, they weren't able to, you know, capitalize on opportunities to either extend the lead, um, build off momentum, do any of those things. And uh, they were just part of the team that was in a funk. So I don't want to spend too much more on Houston and, and the coaching search because I do think that it's all just kind of hanging in the balance right now. And the Houston game, at the end of the day, came down to a play that was made by Houston. Uh, maybe could have, should have, would have been avoided by SMU, depending on how Dana Holgerson handles that timeout if they send the kicking unit out there. But, you know, this team has a chance to circle the wagons, um, and the coaches included, and figure out a way to make this season one that can still be really special. And so w- whether you hate Sunday Dykes for having for for his name popping up for these two very logical coaching searches, um, whether you hate the play calling that's been going on, whether you think the players just aren't ready to go at all uh, mentally, which I think is in part on them, this is a team that has everything in front of itself still, and the excuses of a coaching search, coaching rumors, um, players buying into that mentality, it, it doesn't matter. This team is too good still to let this sink their ship. We haven't seen SMU turn the corner in November. Um, certainly they got a loss out of the way before November even hit, but it's still a team that their expectations should be very high. And unless they all come together and, and really figure that out, Um, you know, November is going to be another month to forget for SMU football. So we'll keep you guys updated on all of Sonny Dykes' talks with SMU, uh, what we're hearing on the TCU front, Texas Tech front, if that comes back around. But there are some good notes if you're a VIP subscriber to take note of on PonyStampede.com regarding that. So I encourage you to check it out. Media availability is back on Tuesday with SMU as they travel to Memphis for an 11 a.m. kickoff. And we'll be uh, tracking that game for you guys as well. So be sure to uh, follow Pony Stampede the rest of the week. Hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. I wish it was one that was a little bit more uh, you know, positive, but SMU lost this weekend, and the program is certainly in a very interesting time right now with these rumors regarding Sonny Dykes, Texas Tech, TCU, whatever you know program you want to look at right now as far as coaching searches go. Um, Sonny Dykes has done a good enough job at SMU to have his name mentioned, which ultimately is what you want. So now it's on SMU and Sonny Dykes to get something done, uh, if that is what's meant to be. And we'll uh, we'll reassess as uh, things go on uh, this week and into the rest of the season. So hope you guys enjoyed this podcast as much as you could. And we'll catch you later in the week with a preview of SMU Memphis. So we'll catch you guys later in the week, and thanks for listening. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.